Reformed Church. So, you know what? This morning, this morning, what I wanted to talk to you about um, is, I guess maybe to put it simply, I guess we'll see how it goes, but um, where we want to start really is about um, following Jesus, right? And so here's something that I want to bring up. So, Abraham's time, right? Abraham was a man of faith. He was made righteous, right, because of his faith. Um, many, many believing, right, saints, right, prior to Christ. David, right? Uh, I mean, there, there's so many, right? Caleb, Joshua, you know, Moses, right? There were so many people prior to Christ's coming that were believers, that were righteous men, right? Uh, Lot, was a righteous man, right? So, so there's so much righteousness that you see, so many people that were made righteous by faith. Obviously, none, none, not a single person in the Old Testament or in the New Testament in our Bibles, right, that you read of, that it says that they were righteous. None of them were made righteous by their works. They were made righteous only by faith because obviously you can't be made righteous by your works, right? If we could be made righteous by our works, you wouldn't need Jesus, right? Jesus could have stayed where he was and then whoever is righteous is righteous because they're great and then they get saved. They get saved. If they don't, they don't, right? But obviously that's not how it works, right? The, the Father knew that we could not be made righteous of ourselves, so he did what we couldn't do. That's one of the biggest truths that, that the Lord will begin to teach you and cement and establish in your heart, that he did what you couldn't do. He didn't do what you could do. He did what you couldn't do, and that was that he had to save you, right? That's pretty much everything, right? In other words, we were drowning. It wasn't like we, we were dead. We were dying, right? It, was, it wasn't like we were doing okay. It, we were dying. That's why we needed to be saved, right? It, people don't need to be saved because we want everybody to be happy in heaven. People need to be saved because the Lord's will is that people would not die, that they would not perish, right? That they would have life, obviously. So, um, so an interesting thing, though, in the time of Abraham, in the time of David, you know, in the time of the prophets, in the time of the law, as, as you had believers, they couldn't follow, though. They couldn't follow into heavenly things. They could believe. They could be made righteous. But they could not follow. And, and, and the, the, the reason for that is pretty simple, right? There was no one to follow, right? In other words, Jesus hadn't come, and he had not become the way to be able to follow him into anything, right? In other words, we could not enter into something that Jesus had not entered into himself, right? But, but and even just to maybe clarify that even a little bit more, Jesus had to come in order to tell us, right, to become that way, right, to die on a cross for our sins and therefore become our way, Right? If he would not have died on the cross, he couldn't be our way because it wasn't our sin then. In other words, if he would have been crucified for his own sin against God and his own problems, then he would have been crucified for that sin. Right? But, it, but obviously we know that he was innocent, right? but he became guilty for us. Right? He, he took our sin. So therefore, in taking our sin, he becomes our way. Right? He becomes our way to righteousness because, it, well, again, it wasn't his sin that he carried. It was our sin that he had carried. So, um, so in, uh, let, let me bring you real quick here. If we could go to Josh, no, not Joshua. I have Joshua on the brain. If we could go to John chapter 7, John chapter 7. And just so we can keep this straight in our minds, right? This is, even though this is John, right? And it's in the New Testament portion of your Bible. This is not the new covenant yet, right? In other words, this is not, the, 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 the new covenant with God begins after Jesus' death and after his, his crucifixion, right? It's not before. Before Jesus', before Jesus death, man, men, like we couldn't all just enter into the things of God because he, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. He didn't say, I came and was born to prepare a place for you, right? He wasn't born to prepare a place for us. He died to prepare a place for us, right? He said, I go to prepare a place for you so that where, watch now, so that where I am, there you may be also, right? That where I am, there you may be also, so that what I'm going into, you can follow, right? And he tells them very, very candidly here in verse number 33, verse number 33 of John 7, he says, uh, then Jesus said unto them, speaking to his disciples, he said, yet a little while I am with you, and then, uh, and then I go, and this is uh, King James Version, Brother Colin, Yet a little while, he says, I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. So the father had sent him, and he was returning to the father. Now, that's important because it's not just that he was going back to where he came from, right? It's that he was returning to glory, right? In other words, he, Miss Lindsay, was praying that he laid down his glory. He was going back to it, right? 
He laid down his glory, but he's going back to it. That's important because, right, the reason why that's significant is for a couple things. He wasn't, he, he, he didn't walk in the glory that he, that he shared with the Father while he was on this earth. He, he possessed the Spirit of God, right? He was walking in many attributes of the glory of God, right? But he said, Father, I mean, right before the cross, he said, Father, I go and I'm returning to the glory that we once shared before the world was, right? So he entered into glory. So today, the glorified state of Jesus Christ, in other words, where he is above all principality and all power and dominion and all name that is named and never ever to be subject again to death. That is, right, because obviously no one can kill Jesus, right? Right, they did, Right? But, but, but he subjected himself to that. In other words, he took on a human body in order so that people could kill his body, right? Because it was the Father's plan to crucify our sin in his flesh, right? It wasn't, it wasn't sure, it came through the use of, of men that would not believe that crucified him, right? But that, this was the Father's plan. This wasn't like, oh, poor Jesus, look what they did to him. No, this was the Father's pleasure to crucify him. This was the father's pleasure to crucify him, but why would the father take such pleasure in crucifying his own son? Because he knew it was the sin of the world that he was crucifying on that cross, right? So, so it says, um, again in verse number 33, yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. He says, now watch it, it says, you shall seek me. You shall seek me and shall not find me. You shall seek, seek me and shall, and shall not find me. Where, um, and where I am, there you cannot come, right? So in other words, he says, you, you, that's, that's not somewhere where you can come, but you'll see in a second. Verse number 35, then said the Jews unto themselves, um, where will he go that we can't find him? In other words, where, where can he go that we can't seek him and know where he is? Um, will, will he go to the dispersed among the Gentiles? Uh, and I believe, I'm not sure, I don't know if that's talking about some kind of leper colonies or something where people will send off, but th that's not critical right now. He says, um, and teach the Gentiles. Verse number 36 says, and what matter of saying is this, that he said, you shall seek me and not find me, and where I go, there you cannot come. Right, so, so basically what he's telling them here is, he, he, and, and I'm not exactly sure actually, you know, I, I told you that he was speaking to his disciples. Like here, he, might, he may have just been speaking to the Jews, I'm not sure. But he's beginning to tell them, where I'm going, you cannot come. Right, where I'm going, you cannot come. Now, I'll give you a little hint into this, and that is because in a second I'm gonna read to you out of John 13. And in John chapter 13, he says to them, he says to his disciples, you can't come now, but later you can follow. But to these, right, to the Pharisees that would not believe, he says, I'm going, but you can't come with me, right? I'm going, but you can't come with me. So you see the distinction, right? The distinction of those that can follow the Lord into his glory are those that will believe, and the ones that cannot follow him are the ones that will not believe, right? So in, in chapter 13, if we can take a look at verse number 33, he says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and, I has, and, and as I said unto the Jews, and I think that kind of confirms, he was talking to, not to his disciples, but he says, as I, as I said to the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, right? So he said to them, where I'm going, you're not going to be able to come. But now I'm saying to you, a new commandment I give unto you. Now, pause for a second. He's talking to them about, about the fact that he said to the Jews, you can't follow me. Why does he all of a sudden start talking about the commandment? Like, what, is, what does a commandment have to do with following Jesus, right? What does a commandment have to do with following Jesus? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also may love one another. What does loving one another as Christ has loved us, right? And if you say, well, how, do, how has Christ loved us? Well, well, the Father sent his Son to be able to be the manifestation of the love of God so that we can see Christ crucified and know the Lord loved us so much that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him would not die, perish, but would have life, right? So you know, I mean, obviously, we, it's painted. We have a picture painted of our mind of the love of God for us, right? And he, here he says, here he says, uh, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse number 35, he says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where, um, where, are, you go where, where are you going? Where are you going now? Jesus answered him, um, where I go he says, whether I, where I go, I think the whither there is weather, I guess. 
right? Wither. <laughs> I should have been reading this in the, in the New King James right now. It says, you cannot follow me now. So what he says in verse number 36 to Simon Peter, he says, where I'm going, he's not just saying you can't follow me. He's just saying you can't follow me now. That's an important thing, right? You just can't follow me now. He says, but you shall follow me afterwards. That's really, really important, right? That's really, really important. Because what is, what, is, what is the difference? In other words, how is it that he, you can't follow now, but you can follow me afterwards, right? Um, and and uh, l- let, me, let me see if I can give you just a little bit more information on that. Um, if we can go to... I want to make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself. Yeah, let, let, let's go ahead and go to, go to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. So, so, so Jesus says, he says, where, where I'm going, right? Where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but later you will be able to follow me, right? So, so what, the Lord, what the Lord has done, right, is that he has, he has entered into, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is our, our forerunner, right? In other words, he went before us, right? He went before us. So because the Lord went before us, in other words, sometimes when people hear about following Jesus, they think that what he's saying is, uh, try to read everything that I did while I was on the earth and do all that kind of like I, I did. In other words, like, I'm going to be your example. You just imitate me, right? But that's not really following Jesus. That's you imitating how Jesus walked on the earth. But the thing is, that's also not what he's asking you to enter into. He's not asking the church to enter into the way he was in his earthly ministry when he laid down the glory of the Father and came in a body to take our sin. He's not asking us to imitate that, right? So, so what is it, you know, when, when the Lord tells us in, in Corinthians and he says to behold the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, what glory are we looking at? Right? When the Lord says, behold, the glory of the Lord is in a mirror, are we beholding the glorified Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father above all the things of this world? Or are we beholding an example, quote unquote, that he left us written, you know, because everything that Jesus did is not written. So we have maybe some examples, right? So which one do we think he's asking us? Is he asking us to follow some kind of an earthly example? Or is he saying, behold and learn of me now as I am. See what I am above. Look at the victory that I have entered into and then this is the victory for you that will overcome the world even your faith in me that is your victory in other words the victory that I have won for you and the glory that I stepped into the glory that I once shared before the world was I want you to follow me into that glory I want you to enter in with me into that and we know that the only qualification to be able to enter into that glory, right? I think, I think you actually prayed the verse, I think, at the end while you were praying. He says, we've been justified, which is we've been made righteous. And the Bible says, those whom the Lord has justified by the cross, those he has also glorified. What glory have we received? Have we received, you know, a little bit of the glory of God? Or have we been glorified with, with the spirit of God and we have become the fullness of Christ, right? He's, in other words, he's, he's that we we are complete in him right he has made us as he is so are you in this world now we know it's not our body because our body doesn't look like his body right but we know that we do have the same spirit right and we have the same characteristics of the lord we have been given the mind of christ so we can think as the lord thinks now obviously there's a whole bunch of thoughts that you think that have nothing that are nothing like the thoughts of god but that's why we have this beautiful thing called the renewing of our mind that the spirit of god is doing on the inside of us right that as we as we continue to grow in the knowledge of god he renews our mind what is he renewing it to some kind of new fangled kind of thinking or is he renewing our mind to his mind right so that his thoughts are our our thoughts so that his ways are our ways right he isaiah 55 i believe it is or 54 he says he says to the unrighteous man he says for my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways," says the lord right but that's not what he says to a believer he doesn't look to a believer and say my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways all the contrary he said i've given you in corinthians i've given you my mind I have given you the mind of Christ, right? That's an awesome, awesome advantage that the Lord has given us. In um, Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13, I'm just going to give you a, a little bit of a synopsis because it's uh, Numbers 13 and a little bit of 14. But basically what happens there is the Lord calls, uh, we're going to say right now 12, right? The Lord sends 12 spies to spy out the land. What I'm really going to show you actually is that there were 13, not 12, 
right? But anyway, that, that'll, be, that'll be important in a second. But the Lord sends spies to spy out the land. And what, what he wants them to do is go in. Now, watch that, because they're, go in and follow Joshua, right? And as you follow Joshua into the land of Canaan, you're going to see how good it is. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. In other words, I've described this to you in detail, right? Kind of the same way that the law and the prophets were describing the coming of Christ and the things that the church would be able to enter into, those that would believe, right? He was, he was basically teaching them, this is what I've been telling you it's going to be like, and you're going to enter into that land. And what I want you to do is to look at it and see if it is as good as I say. Now, what happens is, obviously, they come into that land, and what they see, it is true. They see a beautiful land. They, they, see, they see a fruitful land. They see, um, they, they see a land flowing with milk and honey, right? But then, to some of them, to some of them, to about 11 of them, 11 of them, right? That number is important for what we're going to say, but to 11 of them, all that they could see more than the goodness that they were looking at was the difficulty in entering in. Why? Because they had their eyes on giants. They had their eyes on fortified cities. They had their eyes on we can't do it. Basically, just to sum it up, they had their eyes on we can't do it. But, but there was one that didn't have his eyes on we can't do it. He just had his eyes on the goodness of the land that he was being shown. And as he saw the goodness of that land, he said, of course we can enter in. In other words, he wasn't questioning in his mind, can he enter in? He knew that he could enter in because the Lord said, I've given it to you, right? I've given it to you. So if you go all the way back to verse number one, actually, we didn't read any of it. I just gave you a little synopsis of that. But um, chapter 13 and verse number one, it says that the Lord spoke to Moses. So obviously it was the Lord sending them. It wasn't Moses sending them. This was God's idea. He says, he says, he was, he's right, the commander in chief, and he told Moses, he says, you go send them. So obviously Moses is just an intermediary, but it was the Lord that sent them, right? So, so he says, send, send thou men that they may search. Now, the cool thing about uh, in verse number two there where it says, send thou men that they may search. The word search there is a cool thing that it, it gives, it, it's like secretly looking or secretly searching. In other words, to look at something, listen now, to look at something that was kept secret for so long, right? None of the, the Jews had only heard of the land of Canaan, right? But never saw it. The Lord described it to him. Indeed, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land of abundance. They heard a lot about it, but they had never entered in. But, but here the Lord is saying is, you're going to go into something that has been set, that has been kept secret, if you will, before the foundation of the world. Something that was mysterious, something that was not revealed or shown yet, you're going to enter into those things and you're going to see it, right? He says, he says uh, search or spy, right? I think New King James Version says spy, and, and it's perfectly good, right? Spy. Spy out the land of Canaan, which I give, which I give, which I give, which I give. He didn't tell them, go look at this land, and you're going to have to take it by force, right? He said, look at the land, look how good it is, right? And then know that I'm giving you to, unto the children of Israel. I'm giving it to you. Of every tribe, it says, of their fathers shall send a man, every one a ruler. He says in verse number three, and Moses, by, by the commandment of the Lord, and it's an interesting thing, right? By the commandment of the Lord, right? Because th this is something that the Lord was commanding them to do, right? Which, which it's interesting that we were just reading before that the command of the Lord is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, faith, believe me. The commandment of the Lord that he was giving them here was go in and see, right? And, and the parallel, though, that I want you to kind of see is it's the same commandment. In other words, all, he didn't want them to go in there and develop a strategic military plan of attack, right? He wanted them to go in there and believe what he had already been telling them, right? You, I'm going to give you this land, and you're going to take it. I'm going to give you this land, and you're going to take it. And it says, and Moses uh, and, and Moses, it says, um, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Param. Um, all those men were heads of the children of Israel. Before we get into naming the spies, I just want to share something really quick with you. I was just praying the other, the other day, this is a couple nights ago, um, 
And I had actually, that day, I had just been sharing with little Nathan. We were in the car, and I think maybe, maybe his dad was driving. And I'm sitting in the back with my little grandson. And I, I told him, you know, I said, Nathan, you want me to tell you a story? And I'm just making this up right on the spot. I didn't, actually didn't have a story. But, but I said, and he, he says, yes, because he likes stories, right? So I said, I'm going to tell you a story about what? About a little mouse who had friends, and all the friends were bigger than him. Every single one of them were bigger than him. And then the, the idea that came into my mind was about entering into the land of Canaan. It says, it says that they, were, they felt like grasshoppers in the sights of, of the giants, right? In other words, they felt like less. They didn't even feel like men. They, they felt like they could not take the land. And the, the kind of the, mor- the moral, if you will, of the story, or the point, I should say, not the moral, but the point of the story that I was telling to Nathan is that, right, no one has, has, has ever a right to make you feel small. You keep your eyes, you keep your eyes on Jesus, and you keep your eyes on what the Lord has been showing you, and you follow the Lord into all that he's given you, right, and you'll recognize that you are a giant in this world, a giant in this world. Doesn't matter how tall you are. Doesn't matter what talents you got. Doesn't matter what degree you have. Doesn't matter what job you got, right? When, when it's you and God, you are a giant above this world. Why? Because he has set us with him in heavenly places far above principality, power, dominion. Why do you think it is that a Christian can go up to a demon and cast out a demon from somebody else? Why would something like that listen to you, Right? Because you have been set as he is with the same glory. And just as they know Jesus, they know who you are. It's not about the words that you say. It's not some kind of Harry Potter mantra that you utter and then they run, right? If, 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 they, if you have not the spirit of God, a demon will look at a person and say, you know what? I, I don't know who you are <laughs> and don't care who you are. And I'll come upon you and you have nothing against me. But he'll say, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but you I don't know, right? There's a, there's a difference, right? The Lord has given us authority, it's called, right? Where do Christians get their authority from? Well, the same place he got his because we follow him into the same glory, right? It's not that he gave us, you know, he gave some lieutenants and some commanders and some chiefs and some petty officers, right? It's not the way it works, right? The Lord has given us all the same authority because it is Christ in us, right? He has authority, therefore we have authority. If he didn't, we wouldn't, right? If he didn't, we wouldn't, but thank God he does. Thank God he does. So, you know, as I was, I had told little Nathan that story. And, you know, and he got it, and he, said, he says to me, he says, yeah, Pop-Pop, because I am, I'm little, but I help Mommy do the dishes. And, I, you know, he missed the point, but obviously he's little and he's learning. So he says, I help Mommy do this, and I was helping you set up tables. And, yeah, uh, th- right, exactly, yeah. But thank God you just reminded him of Jesus again. Right? Um, anyway, so, so it's funny. So I, I thought that was cute. You know, I just tell him a story. Then I'm praying. I don't know if it was that night or the next night. And I'm just praying and praying and praying for a little bit. And the Lord brings up to my mind the word Kadesh, right? And, and the first thing that pops to my mind is Kadesh Barnea. Like I remember that that's a place. I, I don't know where it was. But as I read to you right there in verse number three, it says Moses, com- by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Param. Kadesh is in Param, right? From what I've been able to just look, it wasn't that significant to me um, where it was, but it is the place from where the tr- 12 spies were sent from. They were sent from the wilderness of Paran or from Kadesh Barnea to go spy out the land of Canaan. Now, the reason why that's significant is they're, they're, they're in Kadesh Barnea. The Lord says to Joshua, you go and they're going to follow you. You go and they're going to follow you, right? So they go from Kadesh Barnea into the land of promise, right? And they're following Joshua into it, right? That, that is the, the, what, what the Lord is showing you there. That's exactly what the Lord does with us today right? We are in this world, right? We are part of this world. We're in it. And Jesus Christ becomes our exit out of this world into every heavenly thing that God ever wanted to give you. He went, prepared a place for us, and he actually did it, right? He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and he did what he said he was going to do. He prepared a place, so we are being built up a spiritual household for God, and I have actually become, right? There's a temple underneath there, right? A, a, A replica of the temple of Solomon. We on the inside of here, we are that temple, right? Right? That, that's just a physical representation of who we are. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, your Bible says, right? Why? Because he's come to live in here. It's not because he just wants to name us temple. It's because he lives on the inside of us, right? Which is a very cool thing. So, so here's what I want to do real quick. And Brother Colin, I'm not going to read every word here. I just want to call out the, the spies here. And if, can you do a favor for me if you want, right? Count on your fingers, and I'm going to do it with me, how many spies I'm going I'm to count out, right? In verse number four... 
It says of the tribe of Reuben is Shemua. That's one. Of Simeon is Shaphat. And I'm not, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the names right, but right now that's not critical. Of, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb. Right? That's three. Of the tribe of Ishakar, Egal. That's four. Of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshea. Right? Um, of the tribe of Benjamin, Palti. Right? Of the tribe of Zebulun, and, and, and actually, what, what you'll see is that you, as you go through, you see that there are 12 spies named here, right? And, but the cool thing is the Lord, takes, the Lord takes one of them. You see, and in verse number 8, he's called Oshea, the son of Nun. The Lord takes that man, right, in verse number 8. And if you go all the way up to verse number 16, after he names all those spies, said these are the, uh, in verse number 16 of chapter 13, these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, uh, Jeshua, right? So in other words, he, he takes his name, Oshea, and changes it to Yeshua, which obviously is Joshua, but the interesting thing there is, that what, I, what I think I find so cool, if you look at, at, at this symbolically, right, for what the Lord is showing you, right? Because obviously, Scripture is not intended to be a history book, even though these are things that historically happened. They're intended to testify about Jesus Christ. That's the intent, right? Jesus actually, when he was walking with the, with the two men on the road to Emmaus, he spent all their time, the New Testament wasn't even written, right? And he spent all his time talking to them about what, the scriptures testified about him, right? But you don't see the word Jesus, right, in any of the scriptures, right? But you do see a ton, right? In other words, scripture is written to testify about the Lord. If it's not written to testify about the Lord, of what value is it? It might as well just be a history book then, right? But the cool thing is he changes his name. So what you see symbolically here, you see 12 spies, right? But you see them following a forerunner. You see them following one. So after he changes, after he changes his name, in verse number 17, he says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, uh, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. Now, that's kind of a very interesting thing, right, that the Lord says go up into the mountain, right? Because you, people don't normally talk about that, right, that, that, you know, they went to spy out a land. What do you mean go up into the mountain? But the cool thing is there that we know, and you can see the glossary, right, mountain, mountain is, is symbolic or significant of heaven, right, heavenly things. So what I've been talking to you about is, right, the Lord entered into his glory, and he, and he said to Peter, he said, where I'm going, you can't come now. But after I enter in first and I get there, you're going to be able to follow then. You're going to be able to come with me, right? So that where I am, there you may be also, right? That where I am, there you may be also. You see, can, can, you, hear, can you hear the Lord speaking to your heart and mind and saying, you know what? I know all of the distractions and the giants and the fortifications and the stuff you see in this world. And Brother Matthew was talking about the distractions that people can get all caught up in. Sometimes, I'll tell you what, I was just talking to Pastor Mike about this yesterday, I believe. Sometimes you can get caught up, if you don't, if you're not getting caught up in your own problems, you can get caught up in other people's problems, right? Like, 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 like you know, the Lord says, listen, don't take care for today, right? Today has enough cares of its own, right? But seek first the kingdom of God. He just, you know, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes focused on me. But sometimes we, we don't, we worry about ourselves, we worry about somebody else. Instead, right, the Lord says, you know what, when, you, when you're thinking, when you're putting your mind somewhere, he says, think on these things. Think on the things that I have done for you. Think about, in other words, you, you're, you, have come into, you have come into the land of promise. You have come into the land of getting, you have come into heavenly things, right? But, but, but the, the Lord says, you know, don't just, don't think about things of earth, but things of heaven. Why, why would the Lord tell you to think about things of heaven when, you're never, when you've never been there, right? How can you think of heavenly things if you've never been to heaven? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe one of you has in here, but I've never been there. But, but here's the difference, right? Heaven, I didn't go to heaven, but heaven came into me though, right? I didn't go to heaven, but heaven came into me. The Bible talks in Hebrews 12 about us having, having, having come to Mount Zion, Right? That we have come to the church of the firstborn, to the city of the living God, right? In other words, that we have entered into heavenly things. It's not, it's not, it's not, you know, the, the things that are of 
powers of this world that I have in me, right? It, it's the things of God. He said, he, said, he said, I make you a new creation. I have made you brand new. Old things, they're passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if you weren't sure where your newness came from, he said, all the all things that you have in you, those all things are of God. Like, like the, in other words, if you, didn't, if you didn't know how to characterize the newness in you, right? He says, that newness that, that is in you, that's me, right? That newness is me. So you, you have heaven in you. And when the Lord is telling you to go up to a mountain, right, he, he's telling, you know what? Look at what you have on the inside of you. You're sitting, right? You're sitting on, you're like an ark on top of a mountain, right? The ark being your body, right? You're sitting on top of a mountain. You got a mountain. In other words, heaven is in you. Jesus said it this way. He said, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. Like you can say, oh, there it is, or there, there it went, right? He said, for the kingdom of God is where? Within you. Within you. So I, I know it sounds weird to people when you use different words like heaven. Heaven is in you. What kind of weird doctrine is that? Well, what's the difference between heaven and the kingdom of God, right? There is a place where God reigns, and it's called heaven, right? And it's in you. So it's just, it, it's funny when, when you begin to see, like, Lord, wow, you have entered into these things, and you're beckoning me, if you will, right? Don't get caught up in the giants. I want you to see the goodness, right? I, I, I sent you to look and behold the goodness, right? But, 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 but sometimes, you know what happens? People look at what's around them, and they say, I can't do it. I can't enter into heaven. And that is true. You cannot do it of yourself. You cannot enter in. But there is one who already went before you and is saying, follow me, right? There is one. Isn't it interesting that to all the disciples, see, before, in, in the time of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of those righteous men, all of them were just waiting for Christ to come so that they could have someone to follow. Right? That's all that they needed was somebody to follow, to be able to enter in. Prior to Christ coming, there was no one to follow because he needed to come, become the way, and then say, now I'm go I'm, I, I possess the glory of my Father. I have entered into the glory that I once shared before the world began. Now come on and follow me. Let's go into it, right? Let's go into it. But that, they didn't have that. that. That's why it says that the prophets, they could see it Right? But they could not receive that ahead of us, right? Why? Because Jesus had to come first to cement that, to make that a reality for us so that we could enter in. But sometimes, you know what? People look at the goodness of God. They see heavenly things and they say, oh, no, you have to be some kind of super, super duper pastor, preacher, uh, evangelist, whatever, to be able to enter in to know the things of God. And the Lord is saying, no, no, no. Anyone, anyone who believes receives life. Anyone who believes enters in. Anyone who believes enters in. Anyone who, who sees the goodness, right, that I have supplied and says, Lord, I receive it from your hand. See, the, the, the 10, if you will, I, I said 11, but really, I, I'm, I was, I've just been looking at that from a symbolic point of view. But I, I understand that they were 10, there were 12 spies. Two of them were Caleb and Joshua, who the Bible says they were of a different spirit, Right? of a different spirit. In other words, not of the spirit of this world that lives by sight, but they were of a different spirit, it says. They were of the spirit of God, right? They listened, they heard the spirit of the Lord, they learned and they believed and therefore they entered in. But, it, but you know, can I, can I just give you this? In verse number 16 there where Joshua is sent, his name is changed from Oshea to Yeshua, right, Yeshua. Obviously that is, that name means, Oshea by itself means salvation. So the Lord changes his name from salvation to Jehovah is your salvation. Is that a little significant, you think? Right? That people that are going into a land that they might think they have to take it by, by their own force and talent and ability, that the Lord tells them to follow a man whose name is not Joshua, my salvation, Right? That the name is not the people of Israel, my salvation. His name is Jehovah is my salvation. They're following a man, right, with no weapons, right? They're following a man into a land of promise, and his name means Jehovah is my salvation. You know why? Because God is the one that said in verse number one, I believe, or two of chapter 13, he says, I'm, I'm sending you to spy out a land that I have given to you, Right? So in our day today, right, we, we, we live with access 
right, into this grace in which we stand, right? The Bible says that it is by faith through righteousness that we have access into this grace. By whom? Through Jesus, right? We have access into this grace in which we stand. But you're standing in it. The Lord is saying, and I've given you access to it. How? He gave, he gave you a righteous membership card, right? He says, you are righteous. You have access into it, right? You can't get into Sam's Club these days, right, unless you show it. I mean, if they're not watching, maybe you can get through, but then you can't pay at the end, right? But you can't get in without an access card, right? It, into heaven, you don't get into it without being righteous. No one does. No one has and ever will get into anything heavily into the kingdom of God without righteousness. Who gave it to us? He did. He justified you through the cross. It was your sin that he carried. Therefore, it was you that believed that he's able to justify, right? So he gave you access into that. And he's saying, come on and get out of the muck of this world and let me show you the good of the land, right? You know what the Lord, he uses words like this in Isaiah. He says, he says, he says, come. He says, and let me show you what is good so your soul can delight itself in fatness, he says, so you can come and eat what is good. He says, you've been eating the bread of this world. Let me show you what is really good. In other words, people think, like I, I tell you, I was, I, was, I was watching something, or maybe I don't know if I was watching something or thinking about something, and, and it's funny, like the things in this world are set up in such a way like to always try to entice you to buy something or to look at something. Always trying to get, you know, to show you, look, you could have so much pleasure if you have this, right? So pleasurable, right? You know what I told the Lord? I said, Lord, you know what? This stuff is so stupid. There is no comparison to the pleasure that I have in you that is eternal and lasting. That Brother Matthew was talking about it, right? All of the stuff, you know, presents are fine. I love to give to people. I like receiving stuff. I like opening gifts. But that stuff rots, breaks, whatever, right? But the thing is, but what I have from the Lord, it, no one, it, that's not something that somebody can just snatch from you, right? That's a joy that it doesn't matter what's going on in the economy. I got joy. I have power to wealth. I have everything that I could ever need to go on eternally from the Lord on the inside of me. So, so he says, at your right hand, are what? Pleasures forevermore. Is there really, I mean, think about it just for a second. <laughs> we won't dwell here, but is there really a pleasure that you can stand next to the pleasures of God forevermore at the right hand of God? And you say, well, yeah, but having this new car, that's really pleasurable. Like compare that to that, right? There's, there's no comparison. Here. It's, nothing wrong with having a new car if you need one, right? Nothing wrong with having a new house. Nothing wrong with living in a palace, right? Who cares? Who cares? God doesn't care. The point is though, you have to know who gives you the power to wealth when you have built homes and you have all the luxury cars that you need. And after you have prospered, don't forget that it is I that have given you the power to get wealth, right? You just have to know where stuff comes from so you don't hold too tightly to things, right? Because it's, it's, just, it's just worldly stuff. It's just worldly stuff. But anyway, so we'll get off the pleasure thing. But they, he says in verse number 16, he changes his name from, from salvation to Jehovah is my salvation. And it's interesting, obviously, that Jesus is that name, right? Yeshua. I know there's a little slight I think there's a letter off, or I don't know how that is, but obviously we know who he's trying to symbolize here, right? We know that just like they followed Joshua, or Yeshua, right, into the promised land, so we have followed Christ into every heavenly thing, right? He made us brand new, he made us as he is, so that we can have the things that he has, right? So in verse number 17, he says, go up into a mountain, right? Come, you're gonna go up into heavenly things, you're gonna come into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 18, he says, and see the land. See it, right? See the land what it is and what the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, right? And he goes on, he goes on to tell them in verse number 20, bring of the fruit of the land. In verse, number, um, in verse number 21, he says, so they went up and they searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob. He says, as men uh, come to Hamath. In verse number 22, he says, and they ascended by the south and they came to Hebron, okay? So let's fast forward all the way Verse number 25, it says, they returned and they searched the land for 40 days, right? Um, I want to fast forward here with you for a little bit. So it says, verse number 26, and they, came, and they went and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Param to Kadesh, right? That's what the Lord had reminded me of the word Kadesh. And brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Now here's, here's the difference, right? The Lord, the Lord shows people, right, those that are saved, that have the Spirit of God in them. Obviously, even to people that are not saved, the Lord shows them his goodness. And it is the goodness of God that leads men to change their mind, right, leads men to repentance. It's the Word of God that does that, the goodness of God. 
Um, but here, I believe the application really is to people that are believers, right? The Lord shows you and wants to show you this good land, these things that you can have. And I understand that there are, you know, so many people sometimes because they, they hear you talk about the goodness of God, but they see the mess that things that are going on in their household, the economy, the stuff, people dying, disease, and COVID, and yada, yada, yada. And I get it, right? Your eyes could be completely distracted by all of that stuff from the goodness of God and what he's put in you. And sometimes that could get to such a point where you end up actually believing and seeing that more than you actually see what you've been given and what's been put on the inside of you. And what that leads you is to grumble and complain and to do, right? And that sounds very similar, and you can take a look at it on your own time if you want to take time to read Numbers 13 and 14. But that's what basically 10 of the spies kind of reverted to. They all saw the same thing, right? But two of them saw it, right, by the enlightenment of their eyes, by the Spirit of God. Ten of them saw it just carnally, right? And what happens is when you see the goodness of God and at the same time you're seeing the stuff that's going on around you, right, things may seem overwhelming, but that's why the Lord always encourages, right, don't live by sight. In other words, don't walk that way. Live by faith, right? Faith is not like wishful thinking, hope it's going to happen, right? Faith is knowing what he did. <laughs> faith is based on solid evidence of what Christ has already accomplished over 2,000 years ago. The, the whole, I mean, there's, there's physical proof of the fact that people saw him crucified. He was hanging there for our sin, right? This is not something that he's wishing would happen. This is something that already occurred, that there's proof, even historical evidence of the fact that he lived and he died and he was stuck in a tomb, right? So, so, so the, the suffering of Christ, it says that, that the gospel has to do with the suffering of Christ and the glory that followed. So right, Sometimes we preach the suffering of Christ and forget the glory. Sometimes we preach the glory without the suffering of Christ, but it's awesome to preach them both together, right? The suffering of Christ and the glory that followed, right? So, that we, it, so when the Lord shows you that glory that he wants you to enter into, what he wants you to do is to bring that back to the rest of the congregation, to the church in the world today, Right? So that you can bring back and say, hey, the Lord has brought us into this good land. He has given us this kingdom and already put it on the inside of us. And the Lord is desiring that we would come and all come together and walk into it, right? Let's walk in that. And people say, no, Ma, I don't, I'm not going to go. There's a lot of stuff going on. I got to wait until the election because I got to wait to see who's going to be president. Yeah, yeah, but, but come on anyway. It doesn't matter who's president. Let's go. Come on. Gee, we're following Jesus, not a president. Let's go this way, right? No, no, but you don't know. You know, gas prices are so high, and, you know, I wanted to buy presents, and I, my credit card is up to its max. And no, but we're saying, but no, but come on. Let's go. We're following Jesus, the credit card. Okay, but come on. Let's go, right? No, but you don't know what's going on at work. You get the idea, right? So much right going on in the world, right? But, but how about if we put that aside and not be earthly minded and the Lord says, let's be spiritually minded. Look at, look at what I have done, Jesus is saying. I know what men are doing, but look at what I have done. I know, I know the mess that men are making of the world, but look at what I've done. These are not the worst of times. These are the best of times. You're not living in Abraham's time where you had no one to follow into glory. You're not living in David's time. And, and Abraham rejoiced in the middle of, of a famine. Abraham became a wealthy man. He was fed by ravens. He, had, he was fed by a widow. And, and just because she, she's doing it for him, that woman and her son prospered, right? Just because they're doing it for him. D did it matter that there was a famine? He was cared for. Does it matter that the widow only had, you know, a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and she was going to make it for her and her son and die? No, it didn't matter. He said, give it to me first and we all will live, right? In other words, listen to what the Lord is saying, but that's not where we're living. We're living in a time where the Lord has said, no, 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 you can follow me. Let's go, right? In, in the time even prior to the cross, Peter was saying, Lord, like you're here with us now. Where are you going? I would have probably said the same thing. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You've been with us three years. Everything's been awesome, right? Demons are subject unto our name, right? You've been, you, we haven't lacked anything. We've gone out without purse, without anything, and we've been fed and taken care of. We haven't lacked a thing, and now you're going to go? Where are you going? I want to go with you, right? But the Lord says to him, no, no, where I'm going, you can't come now. But he said to P Peter, but you will be able to follow me later. That's the day and age that we live in today until let's follow him now. Let's go. I mean, what are we waiting for? Let's go. And, and I understand the distractions of the world. I totally get it. But what I'm telling you is something bigger and better. 
right? What I'm talking to you about is something more powerful than the economy, something more powerful than the world order, something more powerful than the United Nations, something more powerful than the United States of America. I mean, this is all good. God can use lots of things to help people, right? But this is a big thing, right? The the, the kingdom of God is a big deal. And he's saying, come on, let's go, right? Come on, let's go and let's enter into these things. Come on, let's go and let's enter into these things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Um, this is a good place to end. Out of all, out of all the, out of all the spies that went into the land, there was really only one. Because in 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 my mind, in the things that the Lord has been showing me, Joshua was the forerunner. He was the leader, right? That's Jesus, right? Joshua and Jesus. He's the one that's going ahead. So there's um, eleven men, right? That have something to decide, right? Are we going to follow him or not? But there was only one of them, Caleb. There was only one of them. And what you'll see, it's, it's kind of interesting, right? I don't know if this is a major point right now, but you see even throughout the Bible, when it, when it talks about the spies, many, many times it just mentions Caleb by himself. Because you know what the thing is? It was Caleb following Jesus. In other words, it was the church following Jesus into the things that he had given. In other words, the things that he's already provided for us. So, so here in verse number 36, it says, or, or 30, 35 maybe, let's see 35. He says, surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swore to give unto your fathers, save or accept Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh. He shall see it. And you, you, you notice something though. It, it, it does not mention Joshua there, right? And I used to read that, and I'm like, that's weird, Lord. Like, wasn't it both of them? Like, why, why did you just mention, like, Caleb there? And I know he mentions Joshua later, but, but you just mentioned Caleb, except Caleb. Shouldn't it be, like, except Caleb and Joshua? But it's, it's except Caleb because he's following Jesus. In other words, Jesus is going to enter in. If nobody else follows him, he's there. He's in the glory of God, right? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But, but Caleb then, right, he, 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 he just was of a different spirit. He followed the Lord, right? He says, and to him I will give, uh, will I give the land that he hath trodden upon and to his children, right? In other words, to the descendants, to anyone that will believe, to all the descendants of Abraham that would believe in the Lord, all of them will enter into that land, right? All of them, all of them would receive it, all of them would have it, and they would be able to have access and enter into these things, right? So obviously there is an initial entering, right, when you receive the kingdom of God. That's awesome. And you walk in certain things already, right? All of the things that you know about Jesus and about the kingdom, you're actively today walking in that stuff, right? It's not, it's not like you, be, you know, you, you, you're, I mean, if, you, if you're walking in 10% of 100, or if you're walking in 50% of 100 or 70% of 100, you'll always be walking in that to one extent or another. And as you grow in the knowledge of the Lord and what he's done and continue to acknowledge those things in you, you'll walk in greater measures of what he's done, right? But it says, it says to him and to his children, because he has followed the Lord. He actually, he says, he has wholly followed the Lord. Let's read 36 again. Except Caleb, the son of Jephune, it says, he shall see it. And to him I will give the land that he has trodden upon and to his children, because he has, has wholly followed me. Right? In, in other parts of scripture, he says, because he followed me fully. Right? And, and if you think, what was the difference between like, the following that Caleb did from the following that all the other 11 did? Like, like what was, or the other 10? What was, what was the difference in their following? And it's just that Caleb was following Joshua, and whatever Joshua said, he believed. And he walked in everything that Joshua walked in. Right? If Joshua was walking in it, Caleb was walking in it. But these other men right, couldn't walk in that. They couldn't walk in that, and instead what they did is, you know what they did? They looked at the land, and they said, we can't do it, and they bought that back to the congregation. They bring that back sometimes, right, to people like you, right? Well-meaning people, right? Well-meaning shepherds, right? But sometimes what they bring back is a bad report, not a good one. Sometimes what they bring a report back is that it says, you know what, God has given you the kingdom, but you got to work hard to get in there. And then people see the work and they see the giants and they see the fortifications and they see the example that the pastor is saying. They said, I can't do that. Therefore, I disqualify myself and I cannot walk in it, right? 
or I haven't been able to achieve, or I haven't been good, or I've, I've done this thing bad, and I've done that thing bad, and they think that before God's eyes, they're disqualifying themselves from being able to enter into, into things that God already is the one that gave you the membership card, his righteousness, and said, here, righteousness that I give you is the only thing you will ever need to access that. And you're going to make mistakes, and you're going to do stuff, and you're going to say stuff, but the report back to people should always be the same. Every shepherd upon the face of this earth, every pastor upon the face of this earth should always be beholding the glory of the Lord and the glory of the things of heaven on the inside of them and always should bring back the report that is the same. It is a good land. It is good what God has put on the inside of us and all of us can enter in because we have all been made righteous. So you all just keep growing and, and even more than that, let's grow together. Miss Kim and I shared with you on that email that we sent for Christmas and New Year's, right? Let's all, I said thank you, I said in that email, thank you for growing together with us and people that have been watching online for a long time, thank you for, for growing with us. That, that's the thing that we're doing. We're just growing in this together because we're following the same one. We're following the same one. I'm following him, right? You're following the same. We're not trying to follow his example to be like him and walk like him, right? And do like him. No, that's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to, we already have access to what he has. We have the same glory. So it's not about getting in. We are in. <laughs> we are in. We have the kingdom already on the inside of us. You're not trying to get access into it. You already have it. So since we're there already, why not enjoy it, right? It's like being in the most luxurious resort that you could ever be in and thinking after you paid for it that you got to earn your way to use it. Well, that would be stupid, right? <laughs> that would be a dumb thing. To pay in full for an all-expense-paid thing and then to think that you got to pay more once you get there, right? I wouldn't go. If you're going to make me pay a ton of money and then once I get there, you got me to pay more to use your stuff, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'll pick a different all-expense-paid all vacation, right? But the Lord has given us access to it all. And you know what he says? Come on, let's walk in this together. And sometimes you can look at the Lord and you can see, Lord, but, but, but look at what I did. And he said, but, but look at what I did. Right? I know that we can say that. And I'm going to stop here. Right? I know that we have a habit sometimes to say that. But Lord, look at what I did. But his answer is always the same. Right? But look at what I did hanging on a cross for you. Look at what I did. Right? So when you see what the Lord has done, then you say, oh, yeah, Lord, I almost forgot. I thought I had to qualify myself because I forgot that you were the one that qualified me. And the only thing that I did was what? Believe. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reform Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this uncommon truth out to the world. If you'd like to support this good news, you can do so at reformchurch.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reformchurch.com.